Um, I have the privilege of introducing uh, Ross here. He is a full-time singer-songwriter, worship leader, music producer for over 25 years. Um, he's worked with several recording artists and uh, as a songwriter. He lives in Nashville with his wife and their four children. And uh, Ross, it's awesome that you could be with us here this morning. Thank you. Glad to do it. Can you guys hear me? Okay, sorry. Um, well, we're going to do a couple things today. We're gonna, I'm going to lead you in some worship, and then I'm going to uh, talk to you a little bit about uh, my story and about Jesus and about some things I've been through, and I'm going to sing you some songs kind of as a part of that story. So that's how it's going to go. It'll be a little different probably than some uh, more normal traditional worship services, but I think it should be a good time. Uh, let's stand together, and I'm just I'm gonna I'm gonna lead us in, in some singing. We worship the God who was. We worship the God who is. We worship the God who evermore will be. He opened the prison doors. He parted the raging sea. My God, He holds the victory. There's joy in the house of the Lord. There's joy in the house of the Lord today. And we won't be quiet. We shout out your praise. There's joy in the house of the Lord. Our God is surely in this place. We won't be quiet. We shout out your praise. We sing to the God. We sing to the God who heals. We sing to the God who saves. We sing to the God who always makes the way. Cause he hung up on that cross and he rose up from that grave. My God still rolling stones away. There's joy in the house of the Lord. There's joy in the house of the Lord today. And we won't be quiet. We shout out your praise. There's joy in the house of the Lord. Our God is surely in this place. We won't be quiet. But we shout out your praise. We were the beggars. Now we're royalty. We were the prisoners. Now we're running free. We are forgiven, accepted, redeemed by His grace. Let the house of the Lord sing praise. One more time, beggars. We were the beggars. Now we're royalty. We were the prisoners. And now we're running free. We are forgiven, accepted, redeemed by His grace. Let the house of the Lord sing praise. There's joy in the house of the Lord. There's joy in the house of the Lord today. And we won't be quiet. We shout out your praise. There's joy in the house of the Lord. Our God is surely in this place. We won't be quiet. We shout out your praise. Yes. Love you, Lord. 
For your mercy never failed me All my days I've been held in your hand From the moment that I wake up Till I lay my head I will sing of the goodness of God All my life All my life you have been faithful All my life you have been so, so good With every breath that I am able I will sing of the goodness of God Love your voice I love your voice you have led me through the fire in darkest nights you were close like no other i've known you as a father i've known you as a friend and i have lived in the goodness of god all my life all my life you have been faithful And all my life you have been so, so good With every breath that I am able I will sing of the goodness of God Your goodness is running after me Your goodness is running after, it's running after to me your goodness is running after it's running after me with my life laid down surrendered now I give you everything your goodness is running after it's running after me sing that again your goodness your goodness is running after it's running after me that's right your goodness is running after, it's running after me. With my life laid down, I surrender now. I give you everything. And your goodness is running after, it's running after me. And all my life you have been faithful. All my life. Sing all that again. Uh, here's, here's the thing. A lot of us probably have, even right now in this moment, don't feel like God's being super good to us. And I know that's like a temptation to feel like the Lord has left us or he's near to us. And I don't know what to tell you except that he is. And, and the reason why we gather here, one reason we gather here is that we could, we could sing these songs by ourselves at home, right? We could do that. But when we get together like this, we don't just get together to hear teaching or to like put money in the plate or to sort of check a spiritual box. Uh, we, we get together because when we gather, we're reminded, oh, these other people, these other folks are believing this too. These other people are, are still trying too. These other people still think this works. They're still trying to figure this out. And so we, like I grew up in this phrase, share your faith. And that, that always meant tell someone how to go to go to heaven whenever they die. But I think this is sharing faith. This is, I come in here, maybe I'm not feeling all that faithful. Maybe I'm not feeling all that full of, of belief. And I look around and I'm like, oh, these people, they're, 
They seem to be believing this too. We're going to share in our faith. So when we sing these kinds of songs, we're singing them for lots of reasons. We're singing them because we mean them. We're singing them so that we will mean them. We're singing so that our soul will hear these words. We're singing so that the souls around us will hear these words. It's not just looking up, it's looking around, right? So let's sing this again. And just if if you're struggling to believe this, just be reminded that we all are. And we all got in here today because we at least kind of believe it. We want it to be true. And we, and we, some of us think it's really true. Some of us are not quite sure, but we're all coming together to say, yes, Lord, may it be so. Be good to me and I'll receive your goodness and I'll thank you for the ways you've been good to me. So one more time for all those reasons. All my life you have been. sing of the goodness. Yes, I will sing of the goodness of God. One more time. I will sing of the goodness of God. You can have a seat. Man, it's so good to to, uh, sing with you all. Uh, So let me, let me just tell you a little bit about my story here. Um, my name is Ross, like, like uh, Jamie said, and I am from Nashville, originally from Texas. And the reason why I'm here today, or, or what I'm going to share with you today, is kind of my story of uh, some mental, emotional health struggles that, that I have had, and uh, I have felt burdened by the Lord just to talk about this more and to tell my story. And a lot of the music I've been writing in the last five or six years has been because of that part of my story. And so uh, I just want to make today a place where I can be honest with you, and hopefully that has some, some uh, impact and some um, connection that, that we can share. Uh, so I, um, I had a really easy and pretty uneventful and kind of normal American Christian life for most of my life. And then uh, I had a few kind of sort of difficulties uh, uh, several year, years ago, but I would say that I had never known anything about terms like depression, anxiety. I didn't really know what any of that stuff meant. Someone would say depression, I thought sad. Someone would say anxiety, I thought nervous. I I don't know. Uh, I didn't know what those words meant. And so 10 years ago, uh, oh, what is today? Okay, so 10 years ago, three days ago, uh, uh, seven days ago, yeah, sorry. Uh, my, My dad was fishing down at the coast in in Texas, and uh, he drowned. And so my brother was down there with him and some friends fishing. And they, um, you know, I get this call like 10, 30 at night. Um, you know, in those kind of calls, you always kind of wonder what those calls are about, right? And so I get this call at 10, 30 at night. It's my brother. He's on the boat. They're giving my dad like chest compressions, trying to trying to bring him back. And he's like, you know, we're trying, but Dad's, dad's gone. And I, I lived in the same town as my mom and dad lived. And so he's like, hey, you need to go over to mom's house and tell her. You can't, we can't just call her. So I said, all right. And at the time I was, I was packing up. We were living in Texas. I was flying out to Nashville uh, a pretty good bit to do some, some song, songwriting stuff. And I, um, so I, I was packing to go on a trip the next morning. 
And obviously, I canceled that trip. So on the, I, w- I went to my mom's house, knocked on her door. You know, now it's 11, 11.30, so definitely knocking on the door at someone's house at 11 o'clock. You hear the, you, you, you know, you, you hear the knock on the door. You know something's not, not good. My mom comes to the door. You know, basically, she sees my face, and, you know, she's, you know, falls into my arms. And I, you know, that, that began sort of the, the new normal for our, our family. And, um, and, and, you know, and people go through hard things, right? That's not, a, that's, not, that's not new. But for some reason, the sort of sudden trauma of that combined with some other stuff in my life that was brewing, I, you know, it, it, there's, a lot of cl- there's a lot of cliches here. I just turned 40. I just signed a uh, publishing deal with a Christian recording publisher for the first time in my life. thought that was going to be like a big, you know, thought I was about to be rich and famous or something, you know. So I had a, I had a bunch of life change go, go, going on and then this this thing with my dad and and uh, and I felt kind of like the glue for my family and so I just cratered into the into into what I now know what I pretty soon learned was a deep depression. And it was uh I just became a different person, you know. And and I uh and I you know, I had counseling and I I uh took medication and the whole deal uh because I was so off from from what from what I was, and I, I remember there was this um, there was this uh, day when my my uncle my, my dad's brother my, my dad had, had three or four bro- brothers there's three brothers and they they were like um, trying to take care of us our, our family so they were they would, they would call us a lot and say what do you need you know whatever and so one day my dad's brother calls me and I'm in the car with my wife and I take the call and he's just asking me all these nice questions about helping my mom nothing dramatic. And when, he, when we get off the phone, I started crying. My wife said, what's wrong? And I said, I don't know. I just don't like to get phone calls about this. And I don't want to be responsible for helping everyone. I, I feel like I need, I need help. And she said to me, um, she said, you know, I, I don't know if you uh, have had a chance to really even grieve your dad. This is maybe six months after he died. And... Uh, she said, because you're, you're still grieving the death of the life that you thought you would have. You can put up that first slide. If, I don't know if the slides are happening or not, but do they have that stuff? I don't know. Oh, yeah, there you go. You can go to the next one. Yeah. So um, I was grieving the death of the life I thought that I, that I would have. I, I'd never heard that, that put like that, um, but it became really important to me. And part of why, um, why, why I'm here today and part of why I do this is because this idea uh, – I think is really important to us. See, when 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 something uh, when 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 someone dies, we have funerals, we have life insurance, we have we have systems in place. It's horrible, but we have systems to deal with it. When a marriage ends, we have systems in you know in place for that. Uh, when when we lose a job, there are systems. But there's these other things that are happening internally in us that no one knows about, and it's and it's something pushing our life away from the life we thought we were going to have. And when you are in the middle of grieving that. There's no, like, systems in place for it, and no one knows you're even doing it. And many of you in the room, as soon as I, you, you read this, you're already thinking about something that you wanted in, in your life that you no longer are going to be able to have, Some, something that happened in your life that sent you on a, on a different path, right? Because you have, a, you have some death that no one knows that, that it's even a death in you, and you're grieving it. And you need, to give your space, you need to give yourself space to grieve it. So she was saying to me, look, I know you're sad about your dad. I know you feel depressed. But you need to be honest with the Lord about this. There's some things that you wanted your life to be. And when your dad died, there are some parts of your life that had to change. And you're upset with the Lord and you're sad and you're grieving. And I started trying to grieve that. And so one way that that I did that is I just started writing songs. 
you know, I was a songwriter, and, and one of the things that I, that, that I say about this season of my life is that I was kind of bad at everything when I was depressed, and that's just me being honest. I wasn't a great, well, I wasn't a great father during that season of my life. I wasn't a great son. I wasn't a great husband. I wasn't a very good friend. But weirdly, I was a really good songwriter. Like, I just, and I'm not trying to, like, make light of it. It's just that it's kind of all I knew to do was to, was to pour into art, and so I just started writing songs. And here's what's weird about it. I started writing these songs, and, you know, this is my job here to get up on stages and sing to people, right, and to write songs with Christian artists and stuff. So I started writing honestly about my depression, and I realized, oh, Christians aren't talking about this. Like, I'm, I'm ruining all the parties, you know, coming in here. I'm talking about this stuff, and no one's talking about it, and suddenly it's, it's getting awkward, you know, because I'm sharing these awkward, honest things. Um, and I started asking myself, you know, why, why aren't we talking about it. Because I was noticing, and you've probably noticed, you know, on, on all the TV shows, there's a, there's a depression and anxiety uh, 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 subplot and all the movies. And even if you listen to like pop songs, it's everywhere all over the rest of the culture. But for some reason, we're not. And I think, I think there's a couple of re- reasons. One sort of, one sort of simple reason is that we don't have the terms for it. You know, we, we all kind of came up hearing, you know, read your Bible more, pray more, go to church more, it'll all get solved. Those are all great things, by the way. Reading, reading about more, praying more, those are all really wonderful, powerful, immeasurably good things. But sometimes we, just don't, we aren't taught things like, here's what to do when you feel so off that you have actual physical symptoms of anxiety in your body. Here's what to do when, when, you, when, when, when you feel so numb that you don't know what, you don't, you don't want to talk to anybody, you don't, you don't, you don't, you don't want to feel anything, you know? We weren't taught that stuff. At least I wasn't. And so part of the reason is just we don't have terms. Christians haven't been historically good at talking about this and saying, hey, when this happens, if you, if you see these signs, you might be depressed, you should probably do this. You might have anxiety, you, you should probably do this. And we're getting better at it, but that's the first reason. But the bigger reason, I think, is shame. I think we don't talk about this stuff because we're ashamed. When I was really depressed, I would get up in the morning and I was brushing my teeth or whatever, I'd look in the mirror and I would say out loud, why aren't you better? What's wrong with you? Why are, why are you still like this? I would talk to myself like that. Say these awful things like that. And I just felt so, so ashamed because I wanted to be better and I didn't want to be a burden to anyone and I didn't want to feel uh, less than. I didn't want to feel like I was a problem. That's how I felt. And I was like, I'm a grown man. <laughs> I have children to raise and a wife, you know, to... Uh, help, help with that raising of those children and to love and to care for, and I just don't feel whole. And I was so tired of it. And, and, and I, would, I would think, Lord, fix me. But I don't really want to deal with you, you know. And I, and I started thinking about, um, I had written these lyrics at some point, and I'm, and, and, and I'm not sure why. But, but they were based on Luke 19, the Zacchaeus story and Mark 5, the story of this bleeding woman. So I'll briefly tell you these two stories. You've probably heard them. But in Luke 19, Zacchaeus, you know, is this tax collector who, who we historically are, have so mistreated that the whole point of the song about, about Zacchaeus is to talk about how short he is. We basically body shame Zacchaeus now. That's like, the, that's like a thing we do because we hate him so, so much because he's a tax collector and all that. But he's this guy who's a tax collector. He's, he's, he's a pariah in his community. Everyone hates him. 
and he wants, he hears about Jesus, and I assume just thinks, I want to find out more about Jesus. So he goes and climbs up in a tree on some path. I guess, you know, Jesus is going to walk by this path. He gets up in a tree. Jesus walks by. Zacchaeus, his thought, I think, is I would like to figure out what all the hype is. Maybe if he walks by, I'll figure it out. Maybe it'll make me better. But Jesus, what does he do? He stops under the tree and he's like, hey, I want to come eat at your house. And he invites himself over, which is super rude of Jesus, but it's just how Jesus is. He's awesome like that. He's because I'm going to come over to your house and eat your food. It's awesome. And Zacchaeus is like, okay, great. And, 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 and we, I presume Zacchaeus just didn't want to deal with Jesus. He was hoping something would happen, but he didn't think he's going to have to go hang out with him, right? And, you got, and then you got Mark 5, which is a crazy full chapter of just nutty things. It starts with Jesus putting some demons in some pigs, sending those pigs off a cliff. All the guys who own those pigs are mad. They, they tell, him, tell him to get out of town. Then, he, then, then quickly, right, right after that, this religious leader comes to Jesus and says, I have a daughter. She's dying. Can you bring her back to, you know, can, can you heal her? And that's sort of scandalous because this guy's not supposed to be talking to Jesus because he doesn't agree with Jesus' claims of being Messiah. Jesus says, sure. And on his way to go do that, remember, he's already, he's already sent, you know, demons into pigs. He's about to go bring this girl back to life. And in the middle of all, all of that, this woman who can't stop bleeding internally sneaks up behind Jesus in a crowd, touches his clothes, and gets healed. And there's this whole crazy story where, you know, Jesus stops and is like, some power has left me, you know, or whatever, which is super, like, science fiction-y stuff, right? And, 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 and so he goes and he ends up engaging with this woman. And I, and I had these lyrics. I'd written some lyrics about, you know, about these two stories. And I wasn't even really sure why I liked these stories, why I put them in the lyrics. I just thought they were cool stories. I put them in these lyrics. And, that, and, and one day I was just feeling ashamed, really ashamed about being depressed. And I, and I had these lyrics kind of sitting on my desktop on my computer. And I pulled them up. And I thought, oh, those two people, they, they feel the way I feel. They want Jesus to fix them, but they don't want to deal with him. But what does he do? He engages them face to face. And I just thought, how, how, can I, how can I look Jesus in the eye whenever I'm like this? And so I just said, well, if, I, if I'm going to look him in the eye, I have to beg him, beg him, beg him to make me better um, and to release me from this shame. So I wrote this song called Love is a Hammer. There's something heavy I've been dragging it around behind me With every labored step and movement It reminds me That I cannot escape And I want to give up Give in, pretend this cell I'm in is freedom Oh, keep my head down, don't give you a reason to look my way. Cause I'm too ashamed to meet your eyes, to speak your name. I'm scared that I'll be held in chains, bound in lies forever. And I long to hear a sound like something metal being shattered. Oh, shame is a chain, love is a hammer. Some days I want to find you in a crowd and sneak up right behind you. 
Maybe touch your clothes and steal some power from you And sneak away again And some days I'd rather Hide out in a tree that you are walking under Oh, and pray that you don't say you're coming over Cause I don't want to let you in Oh, but you don't wait to be invited You're kicking down my door with violent mercy And completely taking over and I swear I hear a sound like something metal being shattered. Oh, shame is a chain, love is a hammer. For so long they feel natural The truth is I'm afraid But if anyone can understand It's you, cause on your feet and hands The proof of what you did and how you suffered When the nails went in The sound of sin forever being shattered Oh, shame is a chain, love is a hammer. Oh, shame is a chain, love is a After I realized that shame was such a part of this, I just leaned in and just started praying, Lord, release me from this shame. You know, sometimes, sometimes it's as simple as that. I'm not saying it's as easy as that, but it can be as simple as, okay, I know what this is now. I am depressed and I have to get help, but I'm also ashamed of it. And I got I to gotta just reject that. And so I, I had to work really hard. I'm going to be honest. I had, I had an issue with what they call self-talk. And it just, you know, it is what, what, what it sounds like. And I mentioned it a minute ago. Um, I, I remember we had this walk-in closet. At our, at our, uh, act like that's a big deal, but I'd never had a walk-in closet. We'd always had old houses where the closets, like, you know, and so I had this walk-in. I thought it was so cool. I feel like, you know, Kanye. And so I would go in this walk-in closet, uh, and and I just moved to Nashville, and you know, and here I was in my 40s, and everyone that I'm trying to be around is like 30, and they're all really cool, and so I'd go in my closet in the morning looking for the right shoes. And this is just, I'm just gonna confess this. In Nashville, I would think, who am I riding with? How cool are they? What kind of shoes should I wear? I'm just, that's like a real thing that I would, that I, that I would deal with. And I would be in that closet looking for the right clothes, looking for the, the, the right shoes. And I remember saying out loud, and I don't, I don't know if I was rehearsing something. I don't know what this was, but I would say out loud, you brought them all the way to Nashville, your whole family, and it's not working. Look, look what you've done. 
I would say that stuff out loud. And guys, I'm not going to get into a bunch of like deeply, deeply like uh, spiritual warfare stuff today, but I will say that stuff didn't come from me. I wasn't the author of those thoughts. And I just had to work really hard to just stop and say, nope, it's not true, you know. And, and I just want to encourage some of you today, there might be some of you, some of you are in a cycle of self-talk where you're telling yourself all these hard and horrible things, and you're looking in your mirror and saying, why, why aren't you better? And I'm just asking you, I'm begging you today to, to reject those things whenever they come out of your mouth. Um, but anyway, I just, uh, knowing, how bad, knowing how bad shame was for me, I started thinking, well, I want to figure out what the Bible has to say about all these extreme kinds of emotions that, that I'm dealing with. Because the depression and, and, the, and the anxiety, they, they caused me to react to stuff like over the top. You know, I would cry when something wasn't that sad, or I would not cry when something was sad, or I would be, get super angry and lash out at my kids and yell, and, or, or I would, I would uh, 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 be so stressed about something that wasn't even that big of a deal, right? And I, I remember we had, this, um, we had these, these, these friends, uh, Brock and Brittany were, the, were, were their names, and they were in their early 30s, and Brock got leukemia. They were at our church, and Brock was our youngest elder, and he, and he was just killing it. He was doing so good. He was such a good, good elder, such a good man. And he, and he got leukemia. And I started, you know, we started praying for him. And, uh, and over about a year's time, he ended up uh, passing away, leaving behind a young wife, uh, three young kids. Very, very difficult. And so anyway, um, I, um, I was just praying for them, you know, and, and I, I remember our, our church celebrated Lent, you know, it's this season just before Easter where you, where, where you fast from things, and we were, we were over at Brittany's house when she was in the, whenever Brock was, he, there was a period of time where he had like 24-hour, seven days a week care in like a cancer ward, and uh, so she was apart from him, you know, most of the time, and kind of praying that he wouldn't die and, 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 and fearing that, that he would, and I remember we were over at her house one night just having a nice time with her, trying to just, you know, love on her as, as she was going through this hard thing. And one of us said, what are you giving up for Lent? And then I hope this doesn't like, like uh, make you think poorly of Brittany because it made, it made me love her more. But she said, I'm giving up drinking alone. And I started crying because I'd never heard anything so profoundly sad um, that she, lo- she needed to drink alone so badly that she, needed, that she gave it up for Lent. And I just thought, is the, is Jesus have anything to say to this? Is there anything Jesus has to say to this? So I started digging into the scriptures, and I and I ran into this idea that our that, that our faith heroes, including Jesus, dealt with complicated and extreme emotions. I'll tell you these three quick stories. You've heard them all. John chapter eleven. You know Jesus is um, really good friends with Mary and Martha, uh, and Lazarus, their brother. Um, and Lazarus gets really sick, and so Jesus, Jesus, they they say is far away. I don't know how far, but far away enough that they had to send word to somebody, tell him Lazarus is really sick. Come help him, you know, because Mary and Martha at this point had they understood Jesus had power, you know, so they're like go go get Jesus. He can bring him back. He 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 can heal him. So you know, this super weird passage. Uh, Jesus finds out that Lazarus is sick, and the passage says basically Jesus loved Lazarus very much, so. He waited. Well, it's the weirdest thing, right? So he waited. Such a strange thing. 
And it's only, it's only one of the weird, weird things that I'm about to t- tell you from this, from this thing. But so anyway, so he, he waits. I don't know how long, but long enough. He comes back to town. Lazarus has been dead for a few days. Martha comes running out, mad at him, you know? And she says, basically, you could have been here. You know, sort of the subtext is, we know about your superpowers. You could have been here and done something. And Jesus says, I'm just going to paraphrase. He says, don't you know he's going to rise again? And she's like, well, yeah, everybody's going to rise again. Like, that's kind of what, you know, he's like, she's, she's kind of thinking theology. And he, and, 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 he, and he doesn't say, hold my beer, but he kind of almost has a moment like that where he sort of, he's like, hold on. So he goes to the, to, to, to the grave. And this is, one, this is even weirder than so he waited. He goes to the grave, and he's about to do something so wonderful that it only happens a few times in the whole history of the, of the scriptures. He's going to bring a dead guy, a few days dead, back to life. That's awesome. But, but what does he do? If you were in a youth group and you were told to m- m- memorize a passage, then you probably memorize this really easy one that everyone loves to memorize because it's two words. Jesus, right, he wept. He wept. Why, why in the world, think about this, why in the world is Jesus about to bring a guy back cry? Because he knows that hard things are hard no matter how long they last. And he knows if it's going to get better, it's still bad right now. Because he he knew more than anybody how bad death was. And so when when someone comes to you and says, it's going to get better, you can believe them, but you're allowed to cry. You're allowed to cry. Be like Jesus and cry, knowing it's going to get better. It's okay. I mean, I just love that so, so much. That's the most human thing I've ever heard. Go back a little bit. In John 2, Jesus gets super mad. He goes in the temple. People are selling stuff. Um, man, it kind of, it, 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 it reminds me of some of the stuff that, that we see, um, you know, these days. Christians kind of co-opting Jesus' name to do all kinds of crazy stuff. But anyway, he gets super mad. He knocks stuff over, you know, makes a whip apparently, drive out some animals, probably scared everybody. Uh, Definitely it was a, hey, calm down, Jesus moment, right? Luke 22, he's praying in the garden, about to die, about to give his life, and he, and he gets so worked up. I don't know why. So worked up. He has that prayer about passing the cup and all, all, all that. Super complicated passage. I don't totally get it. You got God praying to God, asking if God cannot do the thing that God tells God to do. It's really complicated, okay? I don't have a theology training. I probably just ruined it for you, but... In that moment, so stressed out, it says that he sweat blood. I don't get that. There's, there's a medical sort of a term for it. It's a real thing. So worked up, so stressed out that he sweat blood. And I read those stories anew. And I'm thinking about my friend Brittany who, who wanted to quit drinking alone. And I just said, thank you, Jesus, that you, that you, that you get it. You know, we, we all know he gets it because he's God. But the fact that he gets it, that he wept, for his friend he was going to bring back in just, in, in, in just a minute, that he got so mad that things weren't quite right in the temple, that he knocked stuff over, expressed his anger, and he got so stressed out that he, that he bled through his pores. Man, that gives me comfort. I hate that for him, but I sure, I sure love that, that, that my Savior gets me like that. This is called Good Company. Good Company. 
If sadness was a sin, Jesus never would have cried. But that's exactly what he did when his good friend Lazarus died. And he knew that he could raise him up. But still the Lord was sad enough to grieve. If heartache was a crime, consider Jesus in the garden. When he knew it was his time, and there was no better option. And he had to take that cup, and it stressed him out so much, it made him bleed. You've ever been so overwhelmed that you can barely breathe, my friend. You're in good company. If anger is so wrong, how about Jesus in the temple? Doesn't sound like he was calm When he was knocking over tables And we know his heart was perfect So there must have been some purpose for it all If you've ever gotten mad at all the friend, you're in good company. In the darkness, you are not alone. There is a presence that will not let you go. Every tear that you have cried, every trial you have known, he's known it too. In the darkness, you are not alone. There is a presence that will not let you go. Every tear that you have cried, Every trial you have known, he's known it too. So if defending your own honor and fighting for your rights are really so important, how come Jesus gave his life to pay for our salvation? He let a bunch of fools portray him as a criminal. you've ever been humiliated, misunderstood, ridiculed, and hated. If you've ever gone through hell and faced the devil no one else could even see, my friend, you're in good company. You're
Every tear that you have cried, every trial you have known, he's known it too. Thanks. Uh, so the, the, the one thing that, that kind of popped up after all of this, to kind of, as I was working through all this stuff, the one thing that, that sort of I couldn't shake was fear. I had all this fear that I was never going to be who I, who I wanted to be or who I'd been before. Just couldn't resolve it. You know, I, I, I just, I, okay, I see my shame. I'm working through my shame. Got these other things I'm figuring out. I'm, I'm getting medication, counseling for my depression, but, but, I, but I can't shake that I'm so afraid uh, that this won't get better or that my, you know, it, it's, I was writing these songs that were pretty good, but I was sort of too unhealthy to go out on the road and play them, you know, um, and I was just afraid that it was all over that, or that my wife wouldn't be able to handle it or that my kids would, would be messed up because their, because their dad was or whatever. So I just, I just started digging in uh, to the Bible about fear. And look, here's the thing. The Bible has all this, it has all this encouragement. Do not fear. But if I'm honest, there aren't like a ton of stories of Jesus dealing with like scared people. You know, in, in fact, there's, there's a lot of stories about like stuff like angels showing up and saying, don't be scared of me, you know, because apparently angels are super scary. And I always think it's funny that the, the first thing that angels say to anybody in all the stories is, don't, don't be scared. I know I'm like super scary, you know, and that's, I think that's really interesting, but, but, but there's not a lot of stories of like Jesus dealing with scared people. And so I just, I just needed to know, Lord, what do you do with my fear? Um, because it was really, really trapping me and stealing from me. And somehow in all this, I re-bumped into Psalm 23 and I had been, uh, you know, like most uh, Christians, I've been around Psalm 23 my whole life. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want, you know, on and on and on, right? And somehow in all this, I just kind of bumped into it again. It was like, uh, I, you know, I was reading it again. And so I got hung up on the second part of it, right? It's pretty long, but there's this little second little section that, that I'd always kind of been bothered by. It was kind of like the so he waited in the Lazarus story. Like, why does that say that, you know? This was sort of like that. It says, he makes me lie down. I just figured, okay, that's probably a translation problem. It's probably supposed to say, he invites me. He gently, you know, calls me to. He, I don't know, makes a nice spot for me to lie down, right? But it says, he makes me. I looked in all the translations. They'd all say something like, he makes me. I just couldn't get past that. Like, why is he making me do this? Why is why it sounds mean? And at some point, I just kind of woke up to this, that he makes me because I wouldn't, and I have to. I got to lie down, but he wouldn't, I wouldn't do it if he didn't make me. And when that sort of, when that happened, when I realized that, it sort of flipped the whole thing for me, and I started looking at Psalm 23 differently. And suddenly, uh, it was this strong, a little bit maybe scary shepherd who loves me deeply and fiercely, and so he is going to take me and say, I need you to lie down. And if you don't, I'm going to make you because you got to stop. You're going to keep clutching and grabbing and chasing and sweating after all these things. But I need you to lie down. 
I want to show you what this is like. So he makes me lie down. Then he takes me by some still, quiet water and says, listen, there's hardly any sound there, right? That's what peace is like. That water can be the way your soul is if you will just let me bring you this peace. And then he says he leads me through this awful-sounding place, a place that's so bad that, 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 the, that the massive specter, the massive figure of death casts a shadow over this place. Death's like, death's like a mountain that's so big that it casts a shadow into this valley. And i got to walk through that valley where death's shadow is just over me. And the only reason why I'm not, I'm not scared, the only reason why I have comfort is because he says he has a rod in his hand. And it's probably the same rod he used to make me lie down, right? And he takes me through that valley, and I've got some comfort because he's got this rod in his hand. And then he makes a meal for me. This is probably the best part of the whole deal. He makes a meal for me in front of all of my enemies, anybody who wishes me ill, uh, spiritually or practically, you know, flesh and bone or otherwise. He makes a meal for me in front of all those people, and it says he, it's a feast, and he says he, his cup, my cup runs over. She's just pouring me drinks, making them all watch. They're all watching. They can't, they, they can't join the meal. They're wondering why I'm getting treated so good. Jesus says, don't worry about them. i got a meal for you. I'm going to keep pouring your drinks, and I'm, and I'm going to pour oil on your head. That's what they do for kings and queens back then. He's pouring oil over my head, making all my enemies watch it. And that's the kind of goodness and mercy that follows me all the days of my life. And I'm not saying that reading that passage cured my fear. I'm just saying that I, I began to see Jesus' approach to me differently. Because that shepherd, that shepherd is Jesus, right? So I just, I, I, I wrote something. Uh, and this will be the last thing that I'll, that I'll play for you before we just close out with a, with a, with a worship song. But here's what I want to invite you to today. Um, because I haven't given you any solutions. I'm just talking about what, you know, uh, 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 about my journey. But if anything about this whole thing that I'm sharing today resonates in a new way or in a way that maybe you realize you, you have something you have not yet started to deal with or need to deal with differently, I'm begging you to talk to someone. I don't care if it's a professional or a non-professional. The people in this room, the ones who have committed to be a part of this church, have committed to love you through that. So if you are in this place of needing to talk about something, please, please, please tell someone. And to the rest of you, if someone comes to you and talks to you, listen and love and never say, why aren't you better? And help them. And some of, some of you might want to take, take further steps than, than that and go talk to someone. I, I'm, I feel confident that if you talk to someone who, who is on staff at this church, they will have some, some, some solution for you or at least some path forward, at least some next step. The Lord wants freedom for, for you, and the enemy wants you to keep this stuff in the dark. And you don't have to fear. So I wrote this song uh, uh, because I wanted to sort of speak against fear. And, and not to say that I'm, that I'm not afraid, because I am, but to say that um, somehow when I walk through this valley, uh, my shepherd is strong enough, strong enough to scare off all the stuff that I'm, that I'm scared of. This is called Things I'm Afraid Of.
shaking and my heart's pounding you always take me make me lie down in peaceful fields where i can clear my head because i get so overcome with anxiety like there's an enemy living inside of me like a monkey yelling out telling lies to me and i don't feel brave but i don't have to be because I walked through the valley of shadows and it scared me half to death but you're with me everywhere I go so I don't give up yet my fear would surely kill me if I didn't know the truth the things that I'm afraid of are afraid of you when my emotions turn against me not faith nor reason could convince me that you have patience left to fight for me when my depression is affecting every ounce of me i can get the medication and the counseling still i can hear the fear calling out to me and i don't feel brave but i don't have to be because I walked through the valley of shadows and it scared me half to death but you're with me everywhere I go so I don't give up yet my fear would surely kill me if I didn't know the truth the things that I'm afraid of are afraid of you you prepare a table for me right in front of my worst enemies and you're as calm and relaxed as can be there's no place where the demons won't find me but just wait till they see who's standing behind me i walked through the valley of shadows he scared me half to death but you're with me everywhere I go So I don't give up yet My fear would surely kill me If I didn't know the truth Things that I'm afraid of Are afraid of you oh, I walked through the valley of shadows It scared me half to death But you're with me everywhere I go So I don't give up yet My fear would surely kill me if I didn't know the truth, the things that I'm afraid of are afraid of you. The things that I'm afraid of are afraid of you. Um, let me just say that before we sing this last song that I have um, CDs out there. It stands for compact disc. It's a thing that people used to play. And, and, and uh, when you're an artist like me, you have a few fans who want them, so they make you print them. And so you have too many of them in your closet. So I brought some of that. And here's the thing. I just want you to have them if you want them. And if, you know, I don't even know if you, know, you guys can play them. You can use them for coasters, I guess. But if you, if you want one, you can pay anything or nothing and take one. It's uh, all three of the songs I did today are on, you know, one of those CDs out there. Um, I just, 
they're going to pay me for this time, okay? So you, 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 can, you, you can pay me for that or not. Okay, that's the deal. So I just want you, want you to know that. I'm not just being generous. I'm, I'm saying they are filling up my closet, and I would like to not have them around my house anymore. So uh, you may take, and I'll take your money. Don't, don't, be, don't get me wrong. I'll take your money. But I'm saying you can absolutely just take them if you'd like. Um, so I chose this last song um, for a very specific purpose. Um, and I love this song so, so much. Uh, it's called Run to the Father. And I just think some of you, some of us today just need to run to the Lord and receive what he has. And run like kids and say, uh, Lord, I feel like a kid and I feel in need. So um, let's stand together and sing. I've carried a burden for too long on my own. I wasn't created to bear it alone. I hear your invitation to let it all go. I see it now, I'm laying it down. I know that I need you. I run to the Father. I fall into grace. I'm done with the hiding. No reason to wait. My heart needs a surgeon. My soul needs a friend. So I run to the Father again and again and again and again. saw my condition you saw my condition yes he did had a plan from the start your son for redemption the price of my heart and I don't have a context for that kind of love I don't understand, I can't comprehend, all I know is I need you. I run to the Father, I fall into grace, I'm done with the hiding, no reason to wait. My heart needs a surgeon, my soul needs a friend, so I run to the Father again and again and again and again. No reason to wait 
My heart needs a surgeon, my soul found a friend. So I run to the Father again, and I run, I run to the Father, I fall into grace. I'm done with the hiding, no reason to wait. My heart found a surgeon, my soul found a friend. So I run to the Father again and again and again and again. Father, I fall into grace. I'm done with the hiding. Breathe out your way. My heart found a thirst. My soul found a friend. So I run to the Father again and again and again. Yes. Amen. Um, let's close this way. Uh, if, if I was to come to you, any one of you, and, and, and uh, say, uh, I have a bunch of money for you, just put your hand out. You, you, you all would do that. You'd be foolish not to do that. So I want you to do this. We're just going to receive. I'm going to bless you. If it's uncomfortable, you don't have to do it, but I'm just asking you to make a posture saying, Lord, I'm ready, okay? In Jesus' name, I bless you with new life, with new hope, with freedom from fear with victory over shame. The Lord is the lifter of your head. And so if you have hung your head in shame, the Lord comes to you, he puts his finger under your chin, and he lifts your head to look in his eyes and say, I love you. I'm with you. I'm not leaving you. I'm here for you. I bless you to receive that in Jesus' name. Amen. You're dismissed.